I called information and I got the number for the Academy of Motion Pictures. Called them up. <laughs> it's like, um, who does the flowers? <laughs> you no, know, it was very much a um, hold, please, hold, please. You know, but finally, I got to somebody who said, "Well, the last I was looking at it, and it looks like this company." Called Welcome Carisma. to another episode of Chic Compass Connection. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the window of the popular Chic Compass magazine, where we feature art, music, design, fashion, dining, and all things chic for the culture-starved audiences of the world. To view our magazine online, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot com. I'm your host, Jamie Hosmer. Let's introduce today's guest. Christopher Todd is the owner of Christopher Todd Design, an interior design firm that specializes in upscale design for interiors, events, and special occasions. With 30 years experience, Christopher has become a visionary in the design industry. He began decorating when he was just 16 years old in his native state of Arkansas. Christopher opened his first business in 1999, which was a florist. In 2005, MGM Resorts hired him as a special events design artist, so he moved to Las Vegas. Then, in 2010, Christopher once again branched out on his own as a freelance floral and interior designer. His business grew, so he decided to open a retail store, aptly named Christopher Todd, filled with beautiful home decor and fine gifts. Christopher is also the current president of the Interior Design Society of Las Vegas. Christopher Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How you doing? Doing great, thank you. All right. So, all right. We're going to talk about a lot of things here. I have a lot of questions. Um, okay. My first question, though, is, so at a young age, as a teenager, what drew you to design? Well, it's just really all I've ever known. I just, uh, I, I, as you mentioned, I grew up in Arkansas, and... We uh, we had access to you know pine trees and holly bushes and things like that, and so I would go out and kind of uh, gather and forge in the in the woods and and bring things back and just started creating things. And I, I was doing that as a kid, and uh, my mother always had parties and uh, events at our home, and I just I, I became kind of her. Uh, right-hand man doing things for her and getting things set up and, and pretty for her. And it just kind of evolved from that. People would come, uh, just like business works today, people would come to the parties and they would say, oh, we would love for you to come and help us do that for our, our event. And and honestly, at, uh, at about 15, 16, I was doing my houses for clients to uh, to start you know, helping them do their do their full design in their homes. Wow. It really started with Christmas, though. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's so it was just kind of a natural thing. For it was you. just a natural thing that I just knew how to do, and I just uh, I've always known how to do it. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, you have a retail store. Um, I do in in Las Vegas. Uh, so your typical do you have a typical client? Like if someone calls you and says, I want to I want to remodel my kitchen or I want to remodel my entire home or I'm building a new house and I want to hire you to design the whole thing. How, how does the whole process work? Well, it's pretty much the same process from a from a large job to a small job, to be quite honest. Um, 
what what happens most of the time is people will start thinking they want to do a small thing. And once you're there, it's like, well, while we've got workers here, we need to go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and paint this. And well, if you're going to do that, let's go ahead and do this. And well, if you're going to do that, we might as well change this out. And so a lot of times the small jobs turn into large jobs. And I really do recommend that. You know, I understand that people can't always afford to do that, but um, it's so much easier when, when you've got the tradesmen there doing the work you know, if it's something that you want to do, it's it's really less expensive to do it all at one time if you're able if you're able to, uh, you know, do that with with money. But not everyone is able to. So mm-hmm. we just really work however however the customer or the client feels comfortable. And um, you know, I like to go in. Uh, I have a very uh, my my customers are very loyal. They they turn into friends most of the time. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, we have a, we have a strong bond with our clients and I, most people ask, what's your style? And that's really hard for me to say because I don't, I, I like to design for people, you know, and, and how they live. And so we do, we do some random things sometimes that I would never do for myself, but I don't live in their house, so I don't really care. Mm. And that's, that's kind of a, um, a funny little motto that I have is I don't care. And what I mean by that is just what I said. I don't live in your house. And if this is important to you, if a recliner is important to you, if a TV is important to you, if a reading room is important to you, you know, if this piece of art is important to you, we can showcase it in a way that makes it something you're excited about. And so we can, we'll really work a room around whatever we need to. Yeah. So you're really, I mean, you're, you're working for the client. You want to provide them with with their dream, you know, house, room, whatever it is that you're do, sure. that you're doing, right? Sure. Um, yeah, and some people come in and they are completely open. And uh, mm. we have a particular client that uh, it's truly the dream client because uh, we've done multiple homes for them, and I've, I know them so well that they don't even see what they're getting until they walk in and the house is done oh. and they don't know the colors. They don't know the furniture. They don't know anything, but I know how they live because I've worked for them since 2004. And, um, you know, I just know what they're going to like. So it's not even a question asked. That so, does not happen very often. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. So they just give you free reign. You can basically do whatever you want, but you already kind of know them. So yeah, sure. And that's a rare type of thing, right? It's a very rare thing. We were we were just work doing some things. Uh, we've been working on this particular house they live in. We've been working on it since uh, 2018, and by that I mean we we finished the main job. But there's just a lot of little small things that we continue to do and freshen up. And the other day we just hung this really incredible piece of art. And when I hung it, I told the client, I was like, "Hey, come look at this." And she's like, "Oh my god, I love it." She had no idea we were even going to hang anything there. So it's really fun. <laughs> really fun when you're able to uh to do that and give those surprises instead of you know it being all about oh well let me let me think and let me ask the husband and let me you know what it's it's really nice and and when you have that liberty i think you get our best work when you don't really uh shove us in a corner and tell us oh you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this you know really it's the free reign really gives you the best result in the end and i wish more people understood that and i know it's a trust thing that that we've built with that client, but, um, right. It's, it's, a, 
it's a thing that I wish that people would understand that and have a little more trust in their designer. They would probably get a better result in the end, whomever they're whomever they choose to do their own. So let's back up a little bit. So in 2005, how how did the connection with MGM Resorts come about, and and what was that relationship like? Uh, what exactly did you do for them? That's a really funny story. Um, <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to make it as condensed as possible. Oh, it's okay. But, uh, we love funny stories. Well, uh, I when I get my head around something, there is no turning back, and I will do it come hell or high water. <laughs> I will figure out how to make something happen. Okay, I've always been like that, and obstacles rarely stand in my way if I want to do something. So um, that being said, I wanted to do the flowers for the Academy Awards. Wow. I don't know why I wanted to do that, but I just, it's something I just wanted to do. Okay. So um, I, I literally in Arkansas, I literally got in my car and I was like, well, I'm just going to drive to LA and I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. And I did. And I, I, I remember I was sitting, you know, cell phones were a thing at that point, but uh Smartphones were not right, and you know the the access to things. It's not like it is now. We're talking what year? Two thousand what? This was two thousand. This was two thousand three. Okay. And so, um, I uh, I remember I was sitting in a parking lot, and I called information. You know, you used to dial four one information. I called information, and I got the number for the Academy of Motion Pictures. I um, called them up. It's like, um, who does the flowers? <laughs> you no, know, it was very much a um, hold, please, hold, please. You know, but finally, I got to somebody who said, "Well, the last few, I was looking at it, and it looks like this company called Charisma Floats does this does our flowers." I'm like, "Okay, I don't know what that means, but I'll figure it out." So, um, what what that was is actually Charisma is a company that makes uh, floats for the Rose Bowl Parade. Okay. And they're based in Pasadena. Yep. And so I um, I found Charisma Floats, <laughs> and I called I called this guy, Larry, who owns Charisma Floats. I was like, you don't know me, but I would really like to be a part of the team that does the flowers for the Oscars. He's like, yeah, we don't really do that. We, we have our team already built. And I was like... I've driven all the way across the country. If you would, I've got a little portfolio. If you would just give me a moment of your time to at least look at it. And he said, okay, if you want to come out, you know, you can, you can show it to me. So anyway, we, I, I went to his, I went to their studio okay. where they built these massive floats and they were already building floats. This was in, this was in the summer. It was like July. So they were already building the floats for the parade that was going to be then in that January. Wow. So I got in, we really hit it off. We had a great conversation and, um, he, uh, he, he showed me how they build, how they build the chassis and how they do the whole thing with these big, massive floats. It was just mesmerizing okay. to me. And, um, he said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come out and do be on our team with the floats, we'll see how that goes. Okay. And I said, sure enough. So on Christmas day, of 2003, I flew out to Pasadena and um, 
that next week for the solid week, I worked on floats in the freezing cold. And uh, it was one of the most amazing and uh, I don't know the way to even say it, but I, the knowledge I gained from doing that was just incredible. Okay, I, I, I can't even describe all the knowledge I got from it. But um, anyway, after working with them on that, um, they, they loved my style. They loved how I worked. I worked well with other people. And uh, he said, you know, you really need to meet this lady that she's a, she lives in Las Vegas. I think that you all would really hit it off. And I said, okay, what's her name? And he told me her name. And uh, so I called her up. And I said, hey, I'm in California, and I'm going to be driving back. Uh, through and I would love to meet you and she was like okay I said well I was told I was to be to be your protege so um, <laughs> when can we do this and so um, yeah so that, that's that's how that happened so I drove back through Las Vegas I met with her in the office at the uh, at the time it was MGM Mirage events and okay, um, okay. she she just really she really liked me and she said we are setting up one of our events um, tomorrow, and I would love for you to be able to see how we do it. Okay. Would you mind staying a couple of days? Well, I'm quite crafty, and I said, yeah, if you'll put me up in a hotel. <laughs> so the event was actually at the Mirage, and they put me up at the Mirage wow. for a couple of days to see this event. And I am not exaggerating when I say this, but I go down to, you know, Cheryl said, or she called me and she said, hey, um, can you come down? We're, we're setting up this event. I'd like for you to see how we do it. So I go down there and I walk in. promise this is 100% the truth. Okay. Garth, Garth Brooks was doing his sound check. Wow. And uh, Trisha Yearwood, Yearwood, his wife, was also there. I'm from a town called Monticello, Arkansas. She is from a town called Monticello, Georgia. We have this conversation. And I knew right then in that moment, I'm moving to Las Vegas. Wow. This is too so um, I was like, okay, Cheryl, let's do this and let's make this happen. And she created a position for me to work with MGM Mirage and um, the rest is history. I came out here. Uh, I will say that once I got in the, I worked there for a while, but when I got, when I got there and started working with them, I realized it was a tiny bit more corporate than I was used to. Sure, <laughs> you know? sure. And so uh, I, I like to I like to have fun with work, and uh, I like to be creative. and And I found quickly that um, as creative as that seems to be, we were very much in a box of how we had to work. And you know, to do the slightest, tiniest thing, you needed eighteen people to sign off on it. And it was just <laughs> like, okay, you drain all creativity out of me by the time we get this approved. Mm. So it really, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a great fit for me, but. Um, it, what what was really great is that it got me to Las Vegas and it, it really changed my life. Yeah. So. Wow. So um, so you never got to the Oscars? Oh yeah, I got to the Oscars. You did? Oh yeah. So I um, that that happened in between the Oscars. So I went back uh, then in that February, and I did the Oscars. So so, so uh, the guy with, who you did the the, the Roseboro parade, <clears throat> the Rose Roseboro. The Rose Bowl yeah. parade with he invited you back to do the Oscars. Yes, he hired me to come do the Oscars, and I worked on the Oscars team for the 2004 Oscars, and um, it was really amazing. Wow. I uh, I remember I got to um, 
we got to go, we didn't get to go to the Oscars, of course, but we did get to go to the rehearsal, which was very fun to see how they do yeah. it and put it all together. And then we got to go to the, um, to the red carpet and got to sit on oh. the red carpet. And I had my little fun Saver Kodak camera <laughs> taking my pictures because phones didn't do that kind of stuff back then, you know? Wow. So, uh, but this yeah, is, it, this is, this is an incredible story though. You are living in Arkansas and you decide, okay, I'm going to do the flowers for the Oscars. So you basically call up the Oscars and say, hello, who does your flowers? And you end up doing the flowers for the Oscars. Yeah, that's kind of how I roll. That's an an amazing story. And it's also an amazing lesson for people how if you really want to do something, you can do it. Yeah. uh, I've... I've always said, I actually said it to a client yesterday, if I could change anything in my life, I would have realized that the world was a lot more accessible at an earlier age. But when you when you are from a very small, I grew up in a town of 8,000 people. Hmm. So when you grow up like that, and you know, I had a very structured home, I, I, my, my parents, you know, had the same job, we lived in the same house, everything was very much the same. Hmm. So the thought of getting out and, and experiencing things that that just not, that's just not something that we really thought about. It's like you you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, you go to work, and that's what you do the rest of your life. And I just was not mm. wired like that. But but looking back on it, I, I always say you know I would have started pursuing dreams a lot earlier. And um, but you know you can't look back at that. I've done plenty, and I've had a wonderful, wonderful life. But um, it is kind of interesting to think if I had just thought of, uh, you know, for instance, I I I love the Olympics. Strangely enough, mm-hmm. and I remember when the Olympics were in uh, Atlanta in 1996, I remember watching it on TV, and I was thinking, I lived in Texas at the time, and I was thinking, God, I would do anything if I could be there at the Olympics. And now I would be like, all right, let's go, let's get in the car, let's go. You know, that, yeah. that's just. But back then, it just wasn't that wasn't something that was programmed in my brain because you just didn't do that kind of stuff. Well, now you just pick up Hello uh, Olympics. Yeah, who does your flowers? <laughs> who does your flowers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so I've always had this um, this thing in my mind that I, that I've always wondered about about design. Um, you know, I think it happens in fashion too. Like you know, there's trends. There's uh-huh. trends with colors, there's trends with fabrics and surfaces and things like that. And I've always wondered, how do these trends emerge? Like if there's like a popular color a certain year or, or a certain, you know, uh, a, a decade even or whatever, how does that happen? Um, I believe it's mainly brainwashing, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even joking. You know, it's... Uh, uh, I believe it was Coco Chanel that said uh, fashion is made to become unfashionable. And, you know, that's the point of everything. They, they, they try to, whatever, whatever the hot going thing is, somebody is going to take the complete opposite route. And truly it's, it's a famous scene, but uh, the scene from uh, the blue belt in uh, Devil Wears Prada is truly how it works. It starts it starts so high up on the on the level of of these trend people that introduce things, and uh, that, it's truly it's just made up. It's like mm. this is what we do now, 
and it just trickles down and trickles all the way down to TJ Maxx, and then it becomes it becomes affordable and it becomes the phenomenon, and uh, everybody everybody wants it then. And then once everybody can get it and it's attainable to everybody, the people who could who have the money they don't want that anymore because they get, it gets cheap now. So right. we've got to go to something that's bigger and better that nobody has yet. I remember years ago, I was doing a bedroom and I wanted it to be purple. It was for a girl and I wanted this really dark, deep purple and I couldn't find anything that was purple, hmm. nothing. And uh, I would say probably within three years, everything was purple. Ah. It's just it's just funny how that, it just changes. And, and it's really, I don't think there's a direct way to say why it does it, but it's, it's definitely... Um, companies that, uh, you know, they have people that are product developers and they say, okay, we're going to push the envelope and now we're going to make lime green a thing. Okay. And then uh, from there, it just, it just starts becoming a thing. And what, at the big trade shows that I go to every year or twice a year, you see it happening. You know, it's just the same thing will be everywhere. And then you'll, you'll say, oh, well, this is cool. This is the only this is the only orange that I've seen. And then you go back to the same show in six months, everything's orange. Wow. Because everybody's going and shopping each other and copying each other. And it's really, it's really difficult to have an original idea. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to uh, the music industry. Right? Very much. In that sense. Yeah. I think it all pretty much ties together. And um, if one person's doing it and making it a thing, everybody's going to jump on that bandwagon. All right. So, um, so when you decided, to, tell me about when and why you decided to open your retail store. Well, um, I decided to open the retail store because I had um, two things. I had a lot of stuff. I've, I've always had a lot of stuff. <laughs> I accumulate stuff. Some way, some reason, I accumulate stuff, and we've always had stuff. So um, I just had a lot of like brand new furniture and lamps and accessories and things that we had not we had not used on different jobs, and I just accumulated all these things. Stuff that you you had bought along the way to maybe put yeah. in homes or things. Yeah, I that bought like a table here, <clears> and oh, it, it just wasn't the look I liked. So we boxed it back up and put it in storage, thinking we'll get to a job that it will work. Okay. <clears throat> so we had quite a few pieces like that. And then, um, and then I had a small office. And in that office, uh, one thing that's really bad about Las Vegas is there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of stores or retail opportunities like mine, where you can go in and get really great candles or soaps or things like that. It's okay. just it doesn't exist. And being from the South, those kind of stores are everywhere, hmm. and people love all that stuff. <clears throat> we do a lot of work in Nashville, and there's probably. 30 of those stores in Nashville, and there's zero here. Wow, that's, so that's really interesting. Place, it is very strange. Um, I just wanted a place where I could go, and uh, instead of having to go buy things, I would just have them myself. And when we go install a job, you know, you can – people love candles. People love great soap. People love all that stuff. So I just started selling it out of my – or carrying it in my office – and then I thought, you know what? I've got all this stuff in storage. I'm paying for storage. Why don't I just open a little space right. and, um, and do that? And it was truly 
Um, you know, we're not a crazy busy store because just like I was saying, um, it's not a it's not a thing on the West Coast like it is in the South. So we're not a crazy busy store, but um, it has done exactly what I wanted to, and it really got my name out there. Because, um, you know, just working out of your home or working out of a out of an office, you don't have a, a presence to the general public. And so unless you do something and word of mouth makes you known, it's just really impossible, mm, you know. Mm, yeah. To, so, so that was, it was kind of my business card. And uh, okay. it worked well. After the first year we were in business, the space next to me was also available. So I expanded and opened into that space as well. Then after that, I blew the whole thing out and ripped out the ceilings and made it just this really fantastic store. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking at new ideas and I, I, I wish we had an entire mall. I would love it. I, yeah. I, I can never have enough. I, I will always want more and make it bigger. But is that where your, your home base is now is the store? Is that where you basically are on a day-to-day basis or do you have a different office? That's your design. No. No, this is my, I'm sitting at my desk right now in the store. And when I do travel quite a bit um, with different clients and different projects that we work on. So we do have a lot of travel, but um, this is my base. This is where I work out of. And it's really hard to, to work when you travel. Um, right. You know, all of books, books are here. All of my information's here. All of our fabrics are here. So it when you get out and try to do things um, remotely, it makes it a little more difficult. Right, right. Um, okay. So what's the, what do you think the lifespan, the average lifespan of like the design of somebody's, somebody's house? Like how long does somebody live in their house? Let's say, you you know, you got a brand new house and it's sort of up to, it's all up to date. How long until that is like, Oh, we're getting a little dated. I think it has about, well, that depends. If, you, if you're real trendy with what you do, it has a shorter, uh, shorter shelf life, right. of course. But, you know, if you go with really great floors, um, if you go with really clean counters of, like, just, just really monotone, mm. you know, color schemes and stuff like that, I think you have a... A longer life of your design. Um, I would say probably about, I'd say maybe like the seven year itch. I think it works wow. well for, okay. for design as well. Okay. I think that within that time, you know, that, and not, not all of it maybe even out of style so much, but just things get dated and they get worn. And you, you know, you sit on, yeah. you sit in chairs and you sit in sofas and it just, it, it's time for a refresh. And a lot of my clients, um, actually a client in Arkansas, she term, she coined the term years ago. She calls it Totify. And um, she has me come in periodically, at least once a year. And, uh, you know, we go in and do a refresh. And if there's something that's just, you know, I'll say, you know, that this is, it's time for this to go. And, you know, you've, you've never really loved this piece. Why don't we since we're not doing that much more this year, why don't we get rid of this and change it out? So it kind of keeps it all yeah. evolving constantly, a, a constant evolution of how it's it's making the house better, 
without having to rip it all apart. And so it know? could be one or two pieces at a time or yeah, it or just keeps it fresh and, window you know, coverings or something. Exactly. Or, <clears throat> yeah. That's the, that kind of stuff is what is what dates things the most, I think, because that style changes, you know, for years, everybody wanted shutters then everybody wanted drapes and yeah. then everybody wanted tassels. You know I mean? It, that stuff, it's just the easiest way to date things is with that kind of stuff. So I, um, if you if you change out things like that, it makes it a lot more current. And wall color, that's I'd say the biggest thing is wall color. You can you cannot do anything in a house but repaint hmm. a fresh color. And even if you don't, if you even have a neutral tone on your wall, if you ten years later paint it again in something very similar, it's just the tones are different. The the colors are better, and it gives a whole fresh look to a space just by Freshing up the color. Ah, that's a good point. I saw a post on your Facebook page that I thought was funny. <clears throat> I wanted you to comment on, and and it was some pictures. And I think your your caption was uh, re redecorating the Tuscan themed. Uh, oh yeah, of the two thousands. It makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> yeah. I think I used the word hideous in there. So. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. um, so that that's a trend that's gone. Oh yeah. It, well, it was just it was so silly the way people did it here because you know I have a I have a hardcore Italian that works here in my store and every time she sees something that uh, is they're calling Tuscan she laughs and she's like that's not Tuscan ah. So She's what? What's the Tuscan? That. So what's the Las Vegas Tuscan vibe versus a real Tuscan vibe? Well, real Tuscan vibe is old and falling apart, <laughs> and that's what the beauty of it because it's been with able, it's been able to withstand years of this, and it's gorgeous because it's the real thing. But when mm. you put fake cracks in your wall to try to make it look pretty, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And people, people still think it's kind of cool sometimes. And I'm just like, no, we don't do that. It's just a, an awful, awful thing. So, um, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of Tuscan removal. Yeah. And okay. getting, getting rid of it. It's just, um, I don't really know why that became such a big thing, but it certainly did around 2002, 2003, it was, everybody wanted that look, yeah. and it just... Do you, do you still just, get people asking you for it? Uh, I have not, no. Okay. We just, have, we just have people asking us to make it go away. Got it, so, got it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, yeah. I, I thought that was just hilarious. Um, uh, it's, um, it's probably the biggest... You know that... Let me dwell on this point just a little bit more. Um what makes me really angry when I go into a house is when they have that style or any kind of style, you know, it doesn't have to be Tuscan, but the builders and architects, you know, what I really wish I'm going to bring this, these random thoughts home here in a second. Yeah. What I really wish is that people would understand that the designer is so, the designer is just as important as the architect or the builder. And what so many people do is they're like, oh, we're building this great house and now we're ready to put some furniture in it. So now we need a designer. And if they would have brought us in at the very beginning hmm. to work with this stuff, 
you know, we would line things up. We would make things right. We would say, no, this light doesn't go here. This is stupid. No, you're going to cast a shadow while you're washing dishes if you don't. You know, there's so many little things that if you don't know what you're, and it's not not knowing what you're talking about. It's not, it's not thinking things through. And a lot of times, um, builders and architects, they, they're brilliant at what they do, but sometimes it's it's different. What we bring to the table is just a different uh a different element yeah. and so that's great slots, that's a great yeah. point can you can you give but, can you give another example because the the light casting a shadow that's a actually we have that at our house to be to be honest we'll be washing the dishes and the light that go it caches casts a shadow right there it's like a perfect mm-hmm. example of what you're talking about what, what's another yeah. what's another thing that you've looked at plans and go wait a minute what if you change this uh, well light switches are the top thing to me it's like do you not think people are going to need to turn the light on here <laughs> instead of 18 steps in the room? Or, you know, oh, do you think they might want to put a lamp on this table and plug it in? So why don't we have a plug over here? You know, just it's it's silly stuff. It's okay. really it's really silly stuff. Or um, a, a lot of things with uh, bathroom layouts. It's just people will put the most random things and. And, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It just so many things don't make sense. And a lot of it is it's quicker. It's cheaper. Yeah. It's uh, more efficient for them as the builder to do it. And so that's why they do those things. And I totally get it. But if you had a design, and, you know, we're talking a track home. Right. That doesn't really work. They're You'd, all going to be the same anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really have to say so in that. But if you're doing a custom home and you settle for little things like that, it's just because you don't know. Right. And had you brought in somebody that has seen hundreds of homes and seen hundreds of problems that are caused by little – and it's, it's not big problems. It's just little problems. Yeah, and especially and, if, you know, someone's building a custom home – they're going to bring in an interior designer at some point anyways. So you're saying bring us on before. Bring us on in the beginning. Let us look at the plans. Let us help make the plans. It's, it's so important because, you know, we did one not too long ago and they had angled doors and just the most random (laughs) stuff. I was like, we have to straighten all this out. And, And we did. And, it was so much better just because they didn't, that's, that was their vision. And sometimes, you know, you need a second vision and a lot of people have too much pride to, or they, they don't like that. We're not really like that. If you don't, you don't like something. Okay. Yeah. We can change it. We can fix right. it. Whatever, whatever makes you, whatever makes you happy. So but you guys do I, that I, as well. Else. You guys do plans and, and architecture as well as everything else. We don't actually do the architecture. We can do all of the plans, but we we have to work with a Nevada certified uh, architect to to do that. But but it's easy when the architect has all the plans and um, we can work with them. That's the easiest way to do that. Um, but I was going to say on on houses that are already built and we remodel them, it just it blows my mind the the things that we have to go in and fix and change. And, um, it's, it's just really silly. I, I like to call that, um, years ago, I kind of came up with a term for that, or my friend actually came up with it and I still use it, but we call it quality of life issues Okay, because it's just silly. There's so many things that are so minor that people can fix and they don't realize it, that it's just a, mm. you know, like you could do this. We could have this done in a weekend, you 
you know, and it would totally change your life. This is an honest to God story. We were doing a house, um, this was years ago, and we turned the water on, on the sink, the kitchen sink, and we turned the water on, it wouldn't get hot. And um, the homeowner came through and he said, oh, I didn't tell you that the hot is actually on the cold and the cold is on the hot. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> because you would, and I told my friend that was with me, I said, that would, are we, can we, can we just fix this for them? He said, it would be, it would just take a second to fix, but it would take years to fix the family, you know, because they, <laughs> they're so used to turning it on the opposite. Right. Way that, uh, right. You know, but th- things like that, they're just so silly to me. And I, I love fixing things like that for yeah. people. They don't even know we're wrong sometimes. Right. Anyway. Wow. That's amazing. So do you have, do you have any like nightmare stories? Like, oh my God, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to finish this job and get out of here. Like, do you have any uh, of those? Oh no, everything's been perfect. <laughs> Never had any problems. Uh, yeah, it's um you know, without mentioning any names or anything specific. Yeah, oh, of course, of course not. You know, um I mean, what's the root cause of of having a, a project that just isn't any fun? Uh money okay. is the root of all evil. <laughs> Yeah, what what happens usually is when the problems happen, um, people either try to cheap out in the beginning, say, oh, we're going to cut this corner, we're going to cut this, then they're not happy. And then, although they know it's their own fault, a lot of times it turns into my fault right. for them not being happy because they didn't want to pay for what I suggested to begin with. Yep. That happens a lot. Or, you know, people will sometimes want, you know, they want a million dollar house. And they want to spend $100,000 to get it. And so when they have these expectations of a million dollar finished product on a $100,000 budget, then they're not happy in the end. Mm. And again, it's not my fault. We do our best to give them the most bang for the buck, but it's sometimes, it's sometimes just not possible. Yeah. And, but... I would say, for the most part, people are not stupid. People understand you get what you pay for, um, and and they they roll with it. They really do. They 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 say, okay, I understand. So it's not usually a problem, but it is it is sometimes a problem. Okay, okay. So uh, I only have a couple more questions. Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna go to the Olympics and do some sort of arrangements for them? Is that is that on the bucket list? That is not on the bucket list. <laughs> I've, gotten, I've gotten over that. Do you, you have know, a new do you have any new bucket list uh, things? Um you know, I posted I posted a list that I made twenty five years ago. I posted it on my Instagram not too long ago. And it was uh, I think it was ten yeah, I think it was ten things that I wanted to do um, in life. Okay. And of those 10 things, I've actually done seven of them. Wow. So I don't, the, the three that I had not done, I have never, um, I've actually never been on a national television show. Okay. So I think that would be fun. But I wrote this list before HGTV existed and all of that. You know, it's kind of, I'm kind of over that because it's, it's a little silly to me now because now they just do any and everything and everybody wants to be on TV. So if everybody else wants to do it, I don't. 
have that much of a You know, dream. That's an, that brings up an interesting topic. <clears throat> Has HGTV uh, changed what you do at all? It has not only changed it, but it's almost ruined it. Uh. Yeah, that and Pinterest. Um, <laughs> everybody thinks they can do it themselves. And they think, oh, well, I'll just do this, and then I'll run out to Home Goods and I'll plaster this crap up. And it, I think it looks good because that's what they do on HGTV. <laughs> and, you know, people just don't understand that, oh, we're going to redo this whole house for $20,000. And, they don't understand all that's behind the scenes that's really happening that's free. And so, you know, right. a lot of times we've, I've actually gone into a job. We were redoing a master bathroom and it was a, an extensive redo. It was like the shower was on one side and we were moving it to the other side, total replumbing, everything. And he wanted top notch. And this bathroom was about a $45,000 renovation mm. just for this master bathroom. Mm. He, he said, wow, I watched too much HGTV because I thought this would be about 20. He's like, sorry, it's not how it really works in the real world. Right. So it's truly, and the other day uh, we were working on this job and um, we do a lot of events as well. Right. So we were working on this job and they had all this bric-a-brac all over the place. And this little sign made in chalk that said, uh, it's meant to be M-I-N-T with a little bowl of mints under it. And I dropped my head in my hands. And I'm like, they've been on Pinterest. And sure enough, I asked her, I said, did you get all this off Pinterest? She said, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I used to be Pinterest back in the day. <laughs> so I used to be able to come up with all these ideas that were cute. But now people can just type in the, anything and they can get all of their. Oh. So it kind, of, it kind of makes us, uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, local uh, television programs um, mm -hmm. for like television and stuff. And it's so difficult to come up with. I, d I don't ever want to go on one of those shows and show anything that it looks like I Googled, you know, anything, yeah. you know, yeah. you really have to really dig and really come up with creative ideas to make it, uh, to make it your own. Because, you know, if I got on there and said, Oh, do this and this, and then somebody goes online and it looks like I uh, just plagiarize someone, yeah. you know, it's, it's well, really, it's really hard to do. Well, anybody that goes and looks at some of your designs, uh, it's, they're all, they're all amazing. They, they look, a lot of your designs look like, uh, pieces of art, really. It's, uh, Thank you. it's really, you can tell it's functional, but it's beautiful, um, beautiful work. So well, you said key element to me, <clears throat> it, it has to be functional. Right. To make it livable, and that's the only way I do it. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, so, one final question: what What piece of advice would you give to a young person that was in your shoes when you were sixteen years old and just loved to design? Whether it's you know floral design, whether it's any kind of design, interior design. Um, what kind of what advice would you give to someone wanting get, to get into the business that you're in now? Um, my first advice would be, don't think you know everything. Always be willing to learn, be willing to have an open mind and take new ideas in and, and uh, you know, be confident. Know that you know that you're good at what you do. I know that I'm good at what I do, mm -hmm. but I know that there, there is no such thing as the best at what I do. Um, I may be the best to somebody, but I may be the worst to someone else. So I think 
um, always having an open mind of being able to learn more and uh, being uh, not being, uh, I don't even know the right way to say it. That, that, that's the main thing I would say. The next thing I would say is uh, don't take no for an answer. If you really want to do something, um, just, just do it. Just work hard and do it. And I think that, uh, I think, of course, we live in a different age now. If everybody wants to be an Instagram star where they, oh, I'm just going to get on Instagram and make videos and that's going to make me, uh, you know, the world leader in whatever I'm doing. And um, uh, it's okay to have that dream, but I also think that um, the knowledge is the power and uh, really just always soak up everything you can learn and know that there's always more out there. Yeah, that sounds like great advice. Um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, we have our website, we have our store, um, our email. Uh, there's so many ways to get in touch with us, but our um, our store is in Henderson, Nevada. We're on the corner of Green Valley Parkway and uh, Sunset Road, right down from the airport next to Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah, so, right. Um, a lot of people, uh, that, that's how a lot of people know us next to Trader Joe's. Yeah. So um, that's the easiest way. Come in and visit. Um, meet me. Visit us. See what we've got in the store. We love that. Or we're available via uh, email. And that is uh, ct at ctdesignlv, like lasvegas.com. Great. Or our general email is info. If you just have a question that anyone can answer, you can to info at ctdesignlv.com. All right. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you and talking with you. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, Christopher, for... Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You do the same. You have been listening to the Chic Compass Connection podcast. To learn more about Chic Compass magazine, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-O-M-P-A-S-S.com. This is Jamie Hosmer. Thanks for listening.